Welcome to This Is What Democracy Sounds Like. I'm Kevin Prang. This program is a presentation of Metropolitan Congregations United. MCU is a community organization that brings together religious congregations, community groups, and individuals to work for a common purpose, to create a better life for all residents of the region. We have a different type of program for this episode, featuring some of the members of Expo St. Louis, and Expo is shorthand for Ex-Incarcerated People Organizing. Expo is relatively new in St. Louis, but there are similar groups in other cities around the country. And though the organizations uh, on the newer side, they've been very busy at work, especially this past year, a major project has been Unlock the Vote, uh, which is about restoring voting rights to those who were incarcerated. And then just a few weeks ago, Expo led an action on December 18th at the Dismas House in St. Louis. We have several guests with us today. We'll take a, some time for everyone to introduce themselves. And uh, you can tell us a little bit about yourselves if you'd like. And Latrell, we'll start with you. How you doing, everybody? My name is Latrell. Um, I am one of the organizers of Expo. Um, I specialize in marketing and media services. And I'm just happy to be a part of the team. So. Okay, so my name is Tracy Stanton. I am uh, also an organizer with uh, Expo Incarcerated People Organizing. I am formerly incarcerated. I came home from prison in October 2017. Prior to coming to prison, I had no um, interest in anything uh, political, anything policy, anything anything that had anything to do with this government or <laughs> or the criminal quote unquote legal system. Um, but after coming home from prison and realizing that, you know, in order to make effective change, these are some of the th changes that needed to be made, I decided to get to work. So that's me. Uh, my name is Ronnie. I mean, Axel. Um, I am an organizer with Expo. I am also a member of uh, Missouri Cure. I had been incarcerated for approximately 25 years. Uh, I was recently released about two years ago. And I just think it's important for those of us who have been incarcerated, to those of us who have experienced um, the injustice of uh, the legal system. I think it's important for us to provide a voice for those who cannot effectively utilize their voice. So all of us coming home, we need to be speaking on behalf of those who are still incarcerated to bring awareness to the justice system or injustice system. Hi, I am Maria Miller. I am a, the founder of Our Lives Matter. I am a core leader with Expo and also a member of Missouri Cure. I advocate for human rights. I began advocating after losing my brother to the Missouri Department of Corrections in 2014. Um, so first of all, uh, tell us about uh, the action at the Dismas House. Why was it necessary and what would Expo like to see happen? You know, we all, some people come home and they're able to integrate back into society because they have family members, you know, and some people have to come home and they, and they are sent to places called transitional homes. Transitional houses are places for people that are um, re-entering back into society, um, safe places that will provide them with stable, safe environment um, to ensure that they have a full, successful reintegration back into society. Um, it was necessary for us to have this action because the Dismas House has been um, operating for a numerous amount of years and there have been a, a numerous amount of complaints and concerns with this, um, this specific transitional house that they were not adhering to their mission. Um, and not only that, providing a unstable, um, unsafe environment. So we received a notification about some uh, things that took place inside the facility and some things that have been ongoing over the course of many, many years. Um, 
And we decided that it was our role and our responsibility, like they just said, to be a voice for the voiceless. Um, because when you're inside the facility, it's hard for you to advocate for yourself, especially um, with retaliation, with a numerous amount of other things that could possibly take place. And because we are formerly incarcerated, a few of us have um, went to transitional houses upon our release. We know what it's like, right? We know what it, we know what is needed and what is necessary in order to have a productive reentry back into society. And that's not what was happening at the Dismas House. Um, what we would like to see happen basically is either one of two things. Currently, there are other organizations that is putting up the bid for the contract, organizations that we uh, know to have great relationships and ties in the community and produce the results uh, that we would like to see, which, which, which means successful clients or successful formerly incarcerated people um, or you know, um, because they have had a long lasting relationship with the Federal Bureau of Prisons, right? So, um, or we would like to be able to be a part of whatever is going on at the Dismas House to help hold them accountable and to ensure that the people that are in the Dismas House have full successful rights um, while they're there um, and in a safe, stable environment for them to um, be a success upon their release. So the facility has very uh, has long history of mismanagement um, that it goes. It ranges from, um, you know, drugs um, being infested inside the facility, um, drugs being used inside the facility. Um, no programming. We're not going to even so we're not even going to talk about the board and, and the finance, so the financial issues transition from family members to family members and. Now, it's an unsafe place. So we know that someone just actually got shot inside the facility not too long ago, which means that the safety protocols and procedures are not being are not happening. Um, they're not providing enough resources for the individuals that are incarcerated. They're not providing any type of programming or training or uh, professional per personal development. And actually, right now, during COVID, they're not adhering to the COVID procedures and protocols that should be taking place. So they're basically putting lives at risk. And then they're also not allowing people to see their family, but they are allowing them to go to work if they have a job. We know that coming back into society, being a part of your family and, and being part of that family unit is definitely um, unnecessary. You know, when you're coming home trying to build um, build yourself up and build those relationships back, you need those people. So it's a lot of things. Um, but over the over the years, those are the main things that have been um, talked about or questioned with inside the facility. So what happened on the on the day of the action, which was uh, December 18th? Well, we had um, a call to action. We had went to the Dismas House and had a rally with Expo members and a number of representatives of different organizations, as well as concerned citizens, concerned citizens and family members of individuals who are currently uh, residing within the Dismas House. And we just wanted to bring attention to the plight of those individuals. I believe that it was a success. Not only did we get awareness, not only did we hear from the people who were affected, but I, it, it seems as though that there are administrators from within a Dismas House now willing to listen to the concerns of the people. And that's initially, that's what we wanted. There were issues that were going on and the people who resided within a Dismas House, they said that, hey, listen, we need help. They, they voiced their concerns but it seems as though their concerns were dismissed. But now that, you know, those of us outside uh, in society, those of us who are uh, citizens contributing to our society, when we formed and came together and unified for a particular cause to bring awareness to this, now um, the administrators have decided to listen. So I think that's a benefit and that's what ultimately we want.
we just don't want to participate in cancel culture. This ain't about just people just grabbing pick, pitchfork and jumping on the bandwagon of the next issue. This is about us writing a wrong or bringing attention to an issue so others can write the wrong. Right. And I just want to say, too, I also feel like that a big part of it is, you know, how did it get to that point? You know what I mean? Like um, they they conducted a lot of, you know, questionable things for a good period of time. And then I think that comes to nobody is there to hold them accountable. And I think that, you know, one of the missions of Expo is that we just want to be those people that are there to hold people accountable. So you just can't, you know, treat. Uh, just as involved people however you want to treat them. So, I think you said an excellent word with respect to accountability. How ironic that individuals that are housed within the Dismas House are held accountable for their actions, and yet the people who are governing their facilitation back into society are not being held accountable for their action. It's very important that we um, voice the concerns of the citizens. You know, people pay taxes and the government uses our taxes to serve the people. Right. So tax money has went to administrators of the Dismas House to serve a particular function. Uh, it, it doesn't seem that that's happening. And it's not reflective, as Tracy said, in the programming. It's not reflective in any of the transitional needs that people need for successful reintegration into society. So I think he had the trail has said a very important word, and that's account accountability. And we want to hold those. Uh, people in charge accountable. And it, it, I seem to remember seeing some photographs of some folks, uh, some residents at the Dismas House noticing you guys outside. What does that mean to them? So they are basically counting on us, right? Because we showed up and they see that someone cares, they're holding us accountable, right? Because we said that that's what, they're, that's, what they're, that's what we are there to do. Right. So they're letting us know, like, we need help. We need justice. We need somebody to advocate for us. We need so somebody to fight for us. Even there was a resident inside that actually called his father and said, hey, dad, they outside. We need you to come down there right now. You understand what I'm saying? So um, and then from that, I have we have been able to hear from a couple of other people that are currently in the Decimus House. They are ready to advocate and now use their voice because we have took the initiative to step up and advocate for them. Because a lot of times, you know, when you've been formally incarcerated and you're going through things, you feel so ostracized out of society that you don't feel like you even deserve that. Right. Or that anyone cares about you or cares about what's going on with you. So sometimes that prohibits you from being able to use your own voice and advocate for yourself. But, you know, like that spark, that fire, that flame, um, that initiation, you know, when you're that first point, then you can burn the whole forest down. So um, so sometimes it just takes that spark. And for for us, we for them, we may have been that spark. Right on. Excellent. So building relations once again. Um, so let's transition to uh, Unlock the Vote. Uh, what is Unlock the Vote and who will it restore voting rights to? Unlock the Vote is a campaign that we have in order to allow um, people uh, newly released from the uh, prison system to be able to vote um, while they're still on probation and parole, correct? Correct. So yeah, that's something right now that we're currently um, trying to run through the uh, legislative system in order to bring power to ex-incarcerated people that were disenfranchised from voting. Yes, and uh, as Latrell said, it's about power or empowering people who are re-entering to society. Everyone who resides within our community has has the right to have their voice heard. That's a part of this so-called democracy, right? 
So what we want to do is ensure that people who are returning to our uh, community have full restoration of their voting rights, their power. And, you know, we tell people who, 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 who go to prison and come home that, or, or people who are in, involved in the justice system, that you do your time and, you know, your life is restored. But that is not true because there are 60,000 Missourians that are kept from the voting process because of, of being uh, formally incarcerated or on probation or parole or some form of supervision. And we want to correct that. Because if you say that, hey, go back out there and live your life and live a positive, what greater contribution to, can you give to society and your, and your community than the utilization of your voice? And we are stripping mm -hmm. people of that. So we want to ensure that everyone has a fair shake in our community and, 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 and is able to utilize their voice. We fight all forms of voter suppression and white supremacy. And this is just another extension of Jim Crow, black codes, um, mass incarceration. It's another way to keep us out of the electoral process, us as in African-American people, us as in black and brown people, us as in the same people that they have been uh, eliminating from the uh, political process. Because if we're able to use our voice, then we're able to add in people that will make um, changes for our people. So. Yeah. You know, I also like to look at the psychological effect of someone that is living in a society, especially during such tumultuous times and with everything that's going on, presidential elections, policies and things like that, to be a person in the world and not have the right to vote. I feel like that that is a that has a real psychological effect on how you feel about participating in community work or participating in government or society as a whole, if you feel like you don't have any power, you're not invested in it, um, I feel like that you're more likely to resent it, to cast it off and to ignore it, so. If I can just say this, you know, listening to this, I think it's very, very important. As we know, we live in a Republican state. We also live in a state that's slow to change. I think the number running throughout was 60,000 people are impacted with not being able to vote that could very well be 60,000 people that can turn this Republican state around. So I think that this is very important with that. I think, and also, uh, Terrell, he had made mention about the, you know, national uh, elections, but I think it's very important that people who are, you know, coming back into society, people who have well intentions of contributing to the upliftment of their communities, contributing to their families, like are stripped of ba very basic things. Because your ability to vote do doesn't necessarily just mean you can vote for the president. It also means you can vote for school boards. It also means that you can vote for justice. It also means that you can vote for representatives or people who represent you. So it means a number of things that directly impact your life, you know? So you're saying that you don't have a voice in the things that affect you, affect your family, affect your neighborhood. And we want to correct that because we know that that's not fair. Okay, excellent. And, and something else that I've heard mentioned, too, is that when you're talking about folks who are on probation or parole, they're in society, they're participating, they're working, paying taxes, right. and they have no voice over their own lives. So let's turn to some more general uh, topics as far as Expo is concerned. Talk about the mission and, and what, what that means. The Expo mission, um, as I understand it, is to basically 
um, restore full citizenship to ex-incarcerated people is to help prevent mass incarceration and improve the conditions inside uh, prison, Missouri uh, Department of Corrections. So what that means to us is basically it just means um, preserving the humanity of people that have been impacted by the justice system. You know, as we know, the United States is a very um, <clears throat> prison orientated and law and order orientated country. We have a huge portion of the globe's prison population. And for us to abandon those people and cast them off as second class citizens, it's not something that we feel like is tenable for society. So basically, you know, our mission, you know, outside of the, uh, the text comes down to really is maintaining the humanity of people that's been impacted by the justice system. Uh, in, in, in changing the narrative of what people think or, uh, about people who have been justice, justicely involved, you know, because a lot of times um, uh, people are demonized uh, for having um, a criminal record and, you know, it affects their ability to get a job. It affects their ability to get adequate housing and affects so much of their life. And we know that human beings are prone to mistakes. Human beings are prone to error. And just like Latrell said, man, we just want to restore that humanity because nobody really thinks about the humanity of somebody else until their humanity is questioned or someone who they love, you know? So we just want to remind people, man, that, you know, people are people, we make mistakes. But once a person has made their mistake, made an acknowledgement and want to correct it, we should allow them the opportunity to do so. It's just like, uh, you know, um, a couple of days ago, Fox 4 in Kansas City released a, uh, a article that basically stated that um, even though the CDC guidelines state that inmates should be in phase two to be able to receive the vaccination because of the close quarters that they live in and being unable to socially distance and the lack of PPE, that they have now removed them from the phases because people complained and stated that for some reason it was wrong for inmates to receive vaccines ahead of people who hadn't committed a crime. And that's the type of thing when we talk about uh, maintaining humanity. You know, it, it's, it's a pretty, I don't even know what to call it, but it's a pretty outrageous thing for you to just take a whole class of people, regardless of their circumstances, and say, you're not worth what everybody else is worth. You need to head to the back of the line. And we're going to stand up to that against, against that, you know, against our, our so. And, and just, to, just to add on to what they said, is that we eliminate all forms of structural discrimination against formerly incarcerated people. So just like Ronnie said um, about the housing, about the employment, just like Latrell said about, you know, the prisons and Maria definitely could talk about, you know, what's going on in the prison systems um, with with currently informed, currently incarcerated people. Because although, you know, we we really fight for formerly incarcerated people and restore the full um, full participation and lives into the community, we also advocate, you know what I'm saying, um, profusely for people that are currently incarcerated. So all, all forms of structural discrimination, even prevention, like, so we're talking about policing as well. So just all forms of structural um, uh, discrimination against formerly and formerly and currently incarcerated people. 
whatever that looks like, we own it. Marie is giving us the thumbs up for those of us, uh, for those of you listening at home. Um, so I have a note here to talk about fundamental philosophies of Expo. Do you guys have any further expansion on, on that idea? Is, is there a way that you guys come together and, and meet and relate with each other um, that, that you say, this, this is how we're going to uh, be in relationship together. And, and, and we're going to keep these things in mind as we do our work, as we meet, as we, as we relate to each other. There's a thing that brings us together. Um, and it's the notion that we don't believe that the issues that affect people who are formerly incarcerated and currently incarcerated, we don't believe that those issues should be addressed without our input and our say-so. Um, so I think that that's one of the reasons um, why we're at the table and it fuels our commitment to these particular causes. I don't think we have like a ritual or a certain order um... As you know, I have my own organization. I um, partner with uh, MCU Expo. We basically come together and respect. We don't always agree when we're at the round table, but what's important to me, I call them my Expo family. You know, we don't always agree, but we respect each other. I think we have genuine love for each other and we have one vision and that's to advocate for what's right. And with that, even if we don't always agree, at the end of the day, we come together and we support each other. And that's really important to me. And we give back to each other. You know, we basically, we just support each other, respect each other and spread love to each other and come together and work together. As leaders, you know, there is no lead leader or anything like that. You know, we all have qualities. We all have strengths, you know what I'm saying? In areas that, that possibly need improve, we, we, talk about that with each other, right? And we, we leaders create leaders. So this is for leaders creating better leaders with inside the organization and outside the organization. You understand what I'm saying? So like one of our, our slogan, you have the right to not remain silent is that we make sure that we get everybody's input on the situation. On whatever situation, circumstance, action, you know what I'm saying? Um, we make sure that we are all involved so all of our voices can be heard and we're all incorporated into the same nucleus, right? And um, that's how we keep going. You know, like Maria said, you know, if, if everybody's getting along all the time, then there's a problem. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> there's a problem here. Somebody needs to be able to, you know, step up and um, everybody doesn't always have the same views. But like I said, we come from different walks of life with the thing, the commonality that we share is that we want to advocate for the for the rights of formerly incarcerated, formerly and currently incarcerated people because we have a personal interest in this. This is not because it's from outside looking in. This is because we have lived these shoes. We have walked these shoes. And we also believe that the people closest to the solution or the people closest to the problem, right? In any situation, in any area of life, you know what I mean? And so those people just happen to be us in this sector, in this section. So we just make sure um, that we stay, you know, stay to, we stay grounded in that, you know what I mean? And we stay the course. There you go. Boom. Let me just bring up the anchor leg on this subject is I feel like one of the things that tie us together is that we all understand and we've all seen that we are valuable. People that's touched by the, um, in the prison industrial complex, either you know by way of a family member or directly. I think we can look at every one of us and see that 
you know, all of the horror stories that they tell about people that have had experience with justice is not always true. That we have some very impactful people, some very bright people, very smart people, very moral people that have been impacted by the justice system. And I think we are here in a way to buck that trend, to, to break the mold of, of what people think about ex-incarcerated people. Excellent. So I want to wrap up this section by just saying, what, what are you guys focusing on next? What's coming up in the coming months and the coming year? Well, we have Unlock the Vote, which is a big campaign that's coming up. Right now, we're currently tying down what's going to be our 2021 campaigns. Um, a lot of the things that we're looking into is housing discrimination versus uh, ex-incarcerated people. We're looking into the uh, issues that's going on with parole and probation inside of uh, the Missouri Department of Corrections, because that is really getting ridiculous. Um, also, you know, COVID is always going to be an issue that needs to be uh, paid attention to in MDLC. We're also looking at different things to try to counteract the effects of mass incarceration, like expungement and expungement programs and things of that nature. So we have a lot going on to look forward to in 2021. Now we just have the formal plan of attack, so. And anything that comes up in the process that needs to be addressed. Yeah. Exactly, yes. Because, because something surely will, won't it? Yeah, I'm sure it will. <laughs> <laughs> if anything so the, like 2020, it sure is. Um, if somebody wants to find out more about Expo, if there's someone who's 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 uh, been through the criminal justice system and is looking to connect, what's the best way to do that? You can contact us on Facebook at Expo SCL. You can also email us at mcu-expo at mcustl.com. And you can also text Expo at E-X-P-O-S-T-L to 31996. If you want to get involved, then you'll receive a call back. So I want to thank our guests today, uh, Latrell Stanton, Tracy Stanton, Ronnie Amin, and Maria Miller, all organizers with Expo St. Louis, ex-incarcerated people organizing. To learn more about MCU, go to Metropolitan Congregation United's website at mcustlewis.org. Also, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for news and events and how you can become involved. I'm Kevin Prang, and you've been listening to This Is What Democracy Sounds Like. Tune in again next time, and thank you for listening.